Holy One, we give you thanks for the richness of our lives. Bless these offerings that they may be used as expressions of your steadfast love for those in need near and far. God, we trust that you have our best interests at heart. As we hear the reading of your word, remind us that we have been raised with Christ and inspire us to seek the things that are above through the power of your Holy Spirit. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it is very good to be here with you all today. Uh, I was in the office uh, this past week and looking at the calendar and realized that I'd actually been away for four out of the past six weeks for either school or vacation, and it is just good to be back. Um, At that same time, uh, Amy, Hannah, Luke, and I want to extend our thanks to this congregation and to our staff uh, for allowing us that time, for us to be able to be away and spend quality time with one another was a really special thing. And I've had the opportunity to share this news with many of you, but I haven't shared it in any kind of official capacity yet. And so I do want to say that our family is thrilled to share that Amy is expecting again and that we are excited to welcome twins into our family around Thanksgiving. Uh, So it's an exciting time in the Merchant family. Thank you. Yeah, We are excited and have no idea what we're going to do. (laughs) So our passage from Luke this morning that we will be reading in just a moment has two distinct stories within it. Um, There's a parable that Jesus tells, and preceding the parable is this question from someone in the crowd regarding the subject of inheritance. And so we're going to read that in just a moment, but before we do, I want to turn to another story. I want to turn to a story in the Old Testament from 1 Samuel 25 that sheds some light, I think, on our text for today from Luke. In 1 Samuel, we read that there was a certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel. He was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. Now, sheep shearing occurred, uh, or or still does occur, uh, after winter and as the warmth of spring begins. And, And in old Testament times, this was a festival. And so in addition to the sheep shearing, there would have been, or accompanying the sheep shearing, there would have been parties and banquets going on. And at this time, David, uh, who has not yet become King David, is with his men out in the desert. And they are in need of provisions. They're in need of food and water. And so David instructs one of his servants to go to this wealthy man during the festival of sheep shearing in order to get food. And he instructs his servant to say this. He tells him to say, Now I hear it is sheep shearing time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. And the man, whose name was Nabal, answered David's servants by saying this. Who is this David 
Who is this son of Jesse? And why should I take my bread and my water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? This turns out to be a poor decision for Nabal. You see, David's men are given food anyway by Nabal's wife, Abigail. Nabal is consequently stricken dead by God, and Abigail becomes one of David's first wives. Now, I share that story because I believe it provides insight into the parable today in the passage from Luke. Nabal, you see, is the Hebrew word for fool. And this word fool, this man's name, in biblical literature is is reserved not for those in the court jester sense of the word, but rather to describe the wicked, the deceitful, and those who are impious, acting as though there is no God. And so as we open to our gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13, I, I want you to listen for the way this word fool is used. Beginning at verse 13, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, Take care and be on guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For for I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we dig into today's text, I'd like us to examine first the parable and then return to the question regarding inheritance, which ultimately provides the context for the parable. Now, perhaps as we read the story, you question why this man receives such harsh treatment, why he's given the title of fool, Nabal. His land produces abundantly, and so he acts prudently, right? Building larger storehouses, enabling him to relax, to enjoy the, literally, the fruits of his labor. So why is he dealt with so harshly? I think first it's interesting to note the parallels between Nabal's speech and the man in Jesus's parable. Remember in 1 Samuel, Nabal saying, why should I take my bread and my water and the Meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where. 
And then the wealthy man in Luke. What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. What are both of these men's soul consideration? Themselves. That's right. For themselves. In fact, in, in the parable in today's text from Luke, the man even talks to himself about talking to himself. I will say to my soul, this Greek word for soul, suhe, it's another way of, of referring to one's full self. And who is the man not concerned for? Well, neither of them are concerned for their neighbor. They're not concerned for God. But let's unpack that in today's text just a bit further. How might his storing of these crops, rather than sending them out to market, how might that have affected the community at large? Well, restricting the supply, artificially suppressing the supply, would have kept prices higher. It made the cost of food more. But it also keeps food produced by the finite land out of the hands of those who would have needed it. The man doesn't send it to market, and the man doesn't seek to give it away either. His plan is, in his abundance, is solely to build larger storehouses. And throughout Scripture, God repeatedly emphasizes the importance of those with abundant resources, caring for those with less, for those on the margins, for those in need. But we might say, maybe, maybe this man didn't know, maybe he didn't read his, his Hebrew scriptures very carefully. You know, within the Jewish culture of, of this day, it's difficult to overemphasize the centrality and importance of the law in Hebrew life. I want you to consider this. In the four books of the Torah in which Moses is a central figure, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there are 139 chapters. Of those 139 chapters, 60 of them take place at Mount Sinai. Now what happens at Mount Sinai? At Mount Sinai, God is delivering to the people the law for the way to live, and the proper ways to worship. And so nearly half of these four books are concerned with how they relate to God and how they are to live and relate to one another. Or in other words, or almost half has to do with how to love God and how to love neighbor. Or even more simply, nearly half has to do with what God desires of them. And what is made clear again and again in the law is that God desires those with resources to care for others. And so, there's no way for this man to not have known that. And what this man does is very different. 
And yet it's still not overtly evil, perhaps. But his wealth, his wealth has become a source of security. And this is exactly how our possessions, our stuff, begins to separate us from God, when it, when it becomes a source of security apart from our reliance on God, when we begin relying on ourselves instead of a reliance on the Lord. And God responds by saying, you fool, you nabal. This very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? I want you to consider your own relationship with your stuff, with your possessions. Do you find security in it apart from God? Maybe it's not even your stuff. Maybe it is in your talents, your own abilities. Do you seek security there apart from God? Are you, are we, building bigger and bigger storehouses? Or are we giving it away? Here, in the richest nation in the history of the world, are we building bigger and bigger storehouses? Or are we giving it away? But let's have a look at the first part of this passage. As we begin, a man shouts out, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. This man asks Jesus to settle a family dispute. Asks Jesus to jump in as arbiter. And Jesus refuses. Instead, Jesus uses it as a platform to tell the parable that we've just Read the man, the man wants Jesus to use his religious authority in order to achieve an end result. The man wants to use religion to get what he desires. In this case, a share of the inheritance. Instead, Jesus uses it as an opportunity to teach people what God desires. Reliance on God, generosity, and care for others. And so, friends, while I think that today's text is, in a certain sense, a story about our relationship with our stuff, I think it is first and foremost a story about our relationship with God. Theologian Justo Gonzalez points out that that there's a crucial difference between the God of the Bible and many of the prevailing religions of the time, and, and, and I would contend of our time as well. He goes on to say, while the main purpose of those religions was to manipulate or appease the gods so that they will do what the worshipers desire, the God of Israel and of the church is always sovereign, far above human attempts at religious manipulation. In, in other words, These other religions 
said if, if you worshiped in a certain way, if you sacrificed just the right way, if you prayed the right way, then the rain would come, the crops would grow, you would have food, you would have health and wealth. The gods would bless you. You see, religion was merely a way for people to get what they wanted, to get what they desired. This God of Israel, this God of our church, is a very different God. And yet there are strains of Christianity that still preach this message. There are some extreme examples that we can point out. White Christian nationalism that that raises up the United States as a beacon, as the most important thing in God's realm. There's a prosperity gospel that says if we, if we pray the right prayer, if we believe the right things, then God will give us material wealth. And though we're, those are extreme examples, there is a whole spectrum of behaviors and belief that are about God doing for us rather than us doing for God. And so, friends, as a people, as a church, do we miss the point? Because the purpose of this Christian thing that we are a part of is not to be with the right people or or dress the right way or, or even pray the right prayer in order to have God do what we desire but rather the purpose of this Christian thing is for us to do what God desires. And so friends, as we prepare to turn the calendar into August, as we begin to look at a new ministry year, rally day, only a few weeks away, we're celebrating 110 years of faithful ministry of this church here in this community. Let's figure this out together. What is it that God would have us do as individuals? What is it that God desires of us as a people? Let's figure this out. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.